the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. J.J. Dillon Podcast. I am your co-host, J.P. John Paz, and with me as always is the star of the show, two-time Hall of Famer, the leader of the legendary Four Horsemen, the second greatest manager of all time. Of course, he is a former WWF and WCW executive, James J. Dillon. J.J., how are you doing this evening? Doing great and just uh, engrossed in the holiday spirit. I I have my Christmas tree up uh, here in my residence and uh, as I go out and move around, I see a lot of evidence of, uh, of a lot of Christmas lights, and it's a, it's a joyous time of the year and a time to, uh, you know, reflect uh, on the past year and all the things that, that we have to be thankful for, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, where you're employed or whether it's more personal like your family or whatever, and, and at the same time uh, look forward to the dawn of a new year and a, and a new challenge. Absolutely. And kind of before we do get started, I do want to kind of bring up something and uh, all the fans obviously will want to pay attention to this and, and I'll kind of say my piece and then you kind of, you know, follow up with and make sure I'm nailing everything correctly. But as of January 1st, JJ will be taking a hiatus from the wrestling business. We'll be taking somewhat of a break from a wrestling and the show will actually be the second to last show. And then next week will actually be the last show for the time being, for the JJ, the JJ Dillon podcast, do I have that all pretty much uh, correct, JJ? Yeah, that's that's it, and I and I'm I'm glad you phrased it that way. And uh, you know, we've talked uh, you know privately, and I the last thing I wanted was uh, to to have any rumors started that uh, oh maybe there's something wrong or that there's something that uh, you know has offended me and I'm upset about something. It's not that. Or I, I don't want rumors to start that, uh, oh, maybe he's got some kind of a, an illness, and it, that's not it either. It's just I've been doing this uh, for a while. I enjoy doing it, and as I've told you so many times, uh, you've made it easy for me. And it's just as the as the year winds down, I've got some new challenges for the first of the year, and um, just I'm going to say take a hiatus now hiatus leaves an open end hiatus could be three months it could be six months yet to be determined Uh, and one of the things is uh, I've been in touch with Tony Villano who was uh, I first met him through Georgie Animal Steel Uh, Tony uh, had the New York uh, Boxing Hall of Fame 
and through conversation with uh, the late George Steele, was surprised to hear that there was not at that point a pro wrestling hall of fame. And so Tony Villano, um, several months later, uh, saw George and had an envelope that he handed to him. And George said, what's that? And he said, open it. And he said, it's the charter for establishing a pro wrestling hall of fame. So Tony Villano, a lot of people talked about it. Tony made it happen. Um, he was uh, based out of uh, Albany, New York, and it, um, the hall actually moved to Texas and is, uh, has a permanent home there with a ring from Madison Square Garden. Uh, a lot of uh, people from the industry, myself included, have donated like ring gear for display and what have you. And um, Tony, um, Tony uh, had... Uh, you know, been employed and had a very, very busy schedule, and he's retired and kind of misses maybe, um, you know, being more hands-on. And so he is establishing as of the first of the year what he's calling the International Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. This will not be um, in competition with the Hall of Fame that continues in Texas and uh, that I'm still greatly uh, supportive of, but... um, I will be on the board of the new International Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame that will debut in the first of the year based out of um, Albany, New York. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And uh, at this point, there's just a lot of discussion. Uh, it's kind of in, in Tony's hands. And I know based on experience for the first time working with Tony, um, it, you know, it, it, it's going to be really great, looking for bigger and better things. Excellent. Good stuff. And, Love to clear those rumors out of the way because you never know what people might say. You know, oh this, oh he's sick or oh he's ill or oh oh he, you know, whatever. That, that should help. Say. That should help to spell it because as uh, as you and I have talked, I've I've uh, been doing this podcast and have thoroughly enjoyed it. It's uh, been great working with you. You've made it easy for me. But uh, as of the first of the year, uh, I do want to take a, uh, a hiatus. A hiatus leaves an open end as to when I might resume. Uh, so as it stands now, next week would be uh, our final episode for a period of time. And I will be uh, concentrate some of my energy of working with Tony Villano on the, uh, the international pro wrestling hall of fame that will be again, based back in uh, out of Albany, New York. So I will have, uh, have that. And, and I'm, you know, I'm still just as passionate. I've always been about the wrestling business. Uh, I've got it. Uh, I recently talked to Luke Williams, uh, uh, Sweet William, and he has put put together an event uh, up in Halifax, Nova Scotia, which was a, a special spot for me where I kind of got my my break after starting uh, in the Carolinas and went up there and got the big push. And so uh, up in the Maritimes is a special place for me, and he's put together, uh, and I don't want to jump ahead of whatever uh, – announcement he's making but uh, since next week will be maybe my last chance to talk for a little while uh, I've committed to uh, a weekend of May 8th and 9th a Friday and a Saturday up in Halifax and I'm sure there will be a lot of other people besides myself and I'm really looking forward to uh, to getting back to Canada and and seeing a lot of friends and, and a lot of fans that are up there and of course being totally support, supportive of Tony Villano as uh, he's uh, putting together the International 
for Wrestling Hall of Fame, and and I will be uh, on the board of directors to uh, to add my support. And uh, when he does the formal announcement, you know, I will go up there and, and be present for it. So uh, I just don't want any confusion as to whether uh, I'm alienating myself from the from the pro wrestling world. It's been an important part of my life for over half a century. I've got two Hall of Fame rings that I'm incredibly proud of, and it's just, uh, you know, things uh, things happen in life and change, and, and I just wanted to dispel any rumors that might start that, uh, you know, that I may have an illness or something, which is not true. Uh, life is good for me, and, and um, it's just that... Uh, um, Sometimes change is, change is good, and that's not to say that at some point uh, I would not uh, come back in and uh, once again be involved with the what is being called the International Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. Right, and we were talking uh, off air a little bit. We got some other things kind of cooking uh, for down in the future. We'll get to that at you know a later date and time, but we got some other stuff cooking uh, for sure, which is great. But you know, you're mentioning the International Hall of Fame. You're mentioning your two Hall of Fame rings. We're talking about the Hall of Fame, so I think it's a perfect time today to talk about 2012 and the WWE Hall of Fame down in. Miami, Florida, obviously a part of WrestleMania weekend, which was WrestleMania 28 down there. So great memory, obviously, of the Hall of Fame and that class. But what's kind of the first thing that comes to your mind when I say WWE Hall of Fame, class 2012, the Four Horsemen? Yeah, well, it was it, it was the Four Horsemen that were actually uh, inducted. And, of course, uh, as the leader of the Four Horsemen, uh, you know, I was there, as was, uh, of course, the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, uh, Arn Anderson, uh, Tully Blanchard, and uh, and Barry Windham. So it was uh, it was a it was a great weekend in Miami. Um, the WrestleMania event that that uh, that year in 2012 was uh, at the uh, at the big stadium in Miami that had you know 60, 70 thousand people there and. Uh, I sometimes in the middle of the night will wake up and, and just, you know, walking out with the other guys and looking up and, and just seeing a, a stadium just full, wall-to-wall with people. And uh, the, the the people that were closest to the ends, I could actually, you know, physically, you know, see the faces and, and the hand gestures of the four fingers, a symbol of excellence. Uh, um, I get goosebumps thinking about that. So it was uh, it was an incredible weekend. and something that I'm very, very proud of. When you actually are being a part of the Hall of Fame, obviously you mentioned Tully, Flair, Barry, and Arn are going to be there, and that's probably a lot of people's favorite group, my favorite grouping of, of the Horsemen, probably up there, like you said before, your top two of being up there as far as that group. But who kind of gives you the call? Like, hey, you're getting the Hall of Fame. Who lets you know that you're a part of the WWE Hall of Fame? You know, I... <laughs> uh, it's uh, I, I'm I'm trying to remember who uh, I mean I have people because I was uh, uh, an executive vice president of talent relations with the WWE and I was there for about eight years so I have a lot of uh, a lot of friends uh, you know going back to uh, you know I I still consider Vince McMahon a, a personal friend uh, recently I had conversation with. Uh, with John Filippelli, Flip, who was uh, the he's the president of the Yes Network, and the Yes Network uh, owns the New York Yankees, 
and the Yes Network airs all of the, the Yankee broadcasts in New York. And so I was surprised recently to get a call out of the blue from from Flip, um, just reminiscing about uh, about old times and looking forward to uh, a situation where, you know, at baseball season it's a given that we were going to hook up and go to a ball game, but now it's off season and wanted to get with uh, with Flip and his wife Jenna and. Uh, that was one of the, the the positive things about the experience of being up there with the WWE was was uh, was meeting Flip and um, he's very very well connected in in the television industry and um, I consider him a, a, a close personal friend. Now, as far as Vince, obviously being a friend, is he? Do you remember? Was he the one maybe that gives you a call? Like, how how do you find out? Maybe Vince tells you. <laughs> you know, you, you'd think that, that that moment would be uh, would be burned in my in my head. And to be honest with you, because I, I had been working with him, uh, you know, on on other things, and so it wasn't like I I was not you know associated with any any of the people there. Um, you know, Bruce Pritchard uh, and I had been friends going way back to. Uh, when he, you know, was with Paul Bosch in Houston, and so that relationship goes way, way back. And of course, uh, Bruce is now a, um, uh, you know, a major player in, in the in the in the industry. And to be honest with you, I I really don't remember exactly who it was. Uh, you know, Pat Patterson was uh, very hands-on back then, and it may have been a conversation with Pat or with. Uh, I was uh, also good friends with Terry Garvin. Um, and I, I don't remember who actually, you know, called me and told me that, that you know this is official that it's going to happen. And um, it really was uh, a very, very proud moment for me. I mean, I've got memorabilia up on the wall of uh, of the event. Uh, it was Barry and Arn and Tully and and Rick and of course. Uh, um, Dusty was the one who came out and who was mm-hmm. basically yep. our across the ring nemesis throughout my career. He was the uh, he was the leader across the the, the ring, challenging the the horsemen. Uh, and he was aligned with uh, you know with the Road Warriors and with Magnum TA and uh, Jimmy Valiant and, and um, so uh, over the years I became very very close to Dusty and uh, and his family and. Just uh, and of course I watched Cody grow up from being a young pup and and now he's a major player in our industry and just uh, I miss Dusty I really I love the man uh, I really miss him. You know it's so interesting that that he gets selected as the inductor for you guys I mean it was just perfect and you know he's standing across you guys once again but obviously in a different capacity I just thought that was so cool and so great to have him. was that your guys' decision to have him be the inductor or is that like you know, maybe obvious that okay, obviously Dusty's going to induct the horseman. You know, I I don't know that. You know, it's been it's not been that many years ago, but when you think about it, uh, you know, looking to see who would be, you know, we were all close to each other. So uh, apart from the, the horseman group themselves, the obvious the obvious choice would would have to have been the American Dream. And he was uh, he was excited to do it, uh, to acknowledge uh, the fact that we had battled each other 
through all of those years and um, and and had developed a, a, a mutual respect for for each other that when the bell rang, you know we nobody held anything back. We went uh, full bore, and when the when the final bell ended, uh, you know there was no lingering animosity, and uh, you know I had some opportunities to. Um, you know, to to, and it wasn't very often, you know, to to see uh, Dusty on a on a social basis. But uh, knowing him and his wife Michelle, and of course, like I say, I watched uh, I watched Cody grow up too. I just love that kind Dusty of. Was, Dusty was a treasure. I mean, when I think of people that were treasures, I'm I, you know immediately think of like Roddy Piper. But you know, Dusty is uh, it's only one American dream, only one Dusty Rhodes. That is uh, for damn sure. That's so true. And with him being the inductor for the horseman, it's just it's so perfect. It's so cool. But the interesting thing to me is when you look at that, right, the horsemen are going in. Very cool. I mean, excellent. Definitely deserved. Um, unbelievable. The, possibly the greatest faction of all time. But one guy is really, to me, missing. No Ole Anderson. Do you know if he was asked, invited, turned it down? Do you know anything about Ole not being a part of that Hall of Fame class? Ole, uh, I mean, I have to go back to when I broke into the business. I, I started, um, I was, I was uh, born and raised in Trenton, New Jersey. I went to college in Pennsylvania. And then after college, uh, I... Uh, was working in Ohio and, um, you know, became close to the, 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 you know, to people in Pittsburgh that uh, had a weekly television show and, um, and, it, and, and Jim Grabmeyer. Um, and, and it's, I, I don't know where, as I think back where the, the connection was with, uh, with Dusty, but I'd been with him in Florida for five years, uh, uh, I, I actually wanted to, was always because of uh, when I started full time in wrestling, I was months from my 28th birthday. So I was not a kid. And I realized at that point that if I was going to have any longevity in an industry that, that, that was my true passion, I'm, I mean, I love baseball, but professional wrestling was, uh, was it for me. And, to you know, to be uh, surrounded with people like Dusty Rhodes and, uh, and and I always regarded, as I've said before in other episodes, that Eddie Graham was probably the one person who had the greatest influence on me. He was regarded in the industry as a, a true psychological genius that understood the, the psychology of our of our business like no one else, and had such success in Florida with, uh, you know, with Jack Briscoe and um, Hiro Matsuda. It just, you know, that if you were from Florida and professional wrestling was, was mentioned, there were, there were other parts of the country where, you know, if you said you were a professional wrestler, people would just, you know, maybe roll their eyes or not give you the, the respect that I, I think you deserved. But in Florida, uh, the fact that you were a professional wrestler and were seen in the company of uh, of Eddie Graham and Hiro Matsuda 
and and everybody connected with with it, Coach John Heath in Sarasota. Uh, it was uh, it was something that people did not make light of, and um, you were actually someone that uh, people looked up to and were, were respected. And I that made me that made me really really feel good, and uh, to have heard that uh, that I had an opportunity to go down there and to um, to be around Eddie Graham and to be under the, I call it being under the, the Eddie Graham learning tree, uh, he was definitely the person that had greater influence on me than any other one individual. Uh, his uh, understanding of the of the basic fundamentals of our business, psychology of the business, and in Florida, um, you know, there are places in the country where you know, if you said you were a professional wrestler, they would, oh, you know, that stuff I see on TV. Well, you would never make a statement like that in the presence of Eddie Graham in Florida. Um, and he would have people that, that, that uh, you know, the stories of, uh, you know, people that would look at TV and say, oh, yeah, I want to be a wrestler. I want to be a TV star. And, um, you know, he would give tryouts every now and then and, and depending on the attitude of uh, of the people, um, you know, they would get in the ring with uh, somebody like John Foley, who if you looked at John Foley, you would think, hmm, he doesn't look all that impressive. And, and I remember they would have Hiro Matsuda, and everybody knew his his credentials, or Jack Briscoe, everybody knew his credentials. And usually when they would want to, want to try out, they would come down, and Eddie Graham would have Jack Briscoe, and Hiro Matsuda and John Foley. And they would say, well, you know, you can get in the ring and, and kind of let's, you know, get a little sense of, you know, what you're capable and what you can do. And, uh, you know, you have your choice of who you want to have your workout with. Well, they all looked at Briscoe and they all looked at Matsuda and they thought, oh, I don't think I want to get in the ring and, and, and take my chances with them. And they look at John Foley and said they immediately pick him. And John Foley was was every bit as tough. He was from England, and I don't know of any wrestler that's ever come out of uh, England and Great Britain that wasn't legitimately tough guy. They they never make it over there unless unless they are legitimately tough. And John Foley, like I say, he you know he wasn't real tall and he didn't have that that uh, you know what you would consider to be a a, uh, a a weightlifting wedge type body, you know, with all the muscles, you know, that wasn't him. He had a beard, and he was the kind of guy that you would, you know, would look at it and he'd, at John Foley and think, well, yeah, maybe I could whoop him, you know, <laughs> and, and they would get in the ring and work out with him, and he would twist them every way. But uh, and he didn't go in the ring, and uh, you know, there's stories that when when uh, Hulk Hogan came around and on, Hulk Hogan. Um, was a bass player in a, in a rock band and wanted to be a wrestler and came down and I think it was Hiro Matsuda, you know, in the ring. And, and I don't know if it was an attitude adjustment. I wasn't there. And as people tell the story, of course, it, it, the story changes. It gets embellished. But in, li- in line was that uh, Hiro Matsuda broke, uh, broke his leg. Mm-hmm. And yep. the story was, well, you know that's you know that's just you know the nature of the business, and to everybody's surprise, 
uh, you know, to get over a broken leg is a is a major major industry uh, injury, and so it was, you know, maybe six months, nine months, whatever it was, and all of a sudden one day, here he is back at the sportatorium and uh, say I've I've healed, I've been training, and I want another go at it. Well, he immediately endeared himself to everyone as just have somebody that that showed some guts and courage, and actually showed that this was something that he genuinely wanted. And so then everybody really, really wanted to uh, to help him, and, and of course the rest of the story is uh, is history. Uh, Hulk is probably the one individual that uh, his name is synonymous with with wrestling, even if it's casual wrestling fans. Mm-hmm. There's definitely there's a, no doubt about that. But kind of going back all the way back to Ole for a second, he's not a part of the Four Horsemen Hall of Fame class. Do you find that? kind of strange at all that he's not there with you guys, that it's the great group of the Four Horsemen, the one that everyone recognizes probably is the best worker grade-wise when you throw Barry in the group. But is that kind of weird to you or, like, maybe a little off to you, like that always not a part of it with you guys? Well, if you know, you could certainly surmise that and, and, and you're, you know, you could go down that road. But if, if you know Oli, it's something that uh, – uh, would not be surprising, and it's not that he uh, he, he that having that recognition um, would not have been uh, important only. And I don't know any other way to 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 put it. I mean, he was a guy in the beginning when I started that uh, he traveled a lot by himself because he was uh, basically a loner. And um, I was uh, 27, going on 28 years old when I broke into business in the Carolinas. And Sandy Scott was there. Johnny Heideman was there. Some guys that were not young kids. And I was a, I was green, but I wasn't a kid. Like I say, I was 27, going on 28. And so I, out of respect for the business, which was genuine respect, kept my mouth shut, didn't say anything, you know, would ask them what they want me to do. And in, in, in being humble and taking that approach without me realizing it endeared me to, uh, to, to the veterans. And they then uh, respected me for my respect for the business and for my attitude. And so they really, really wanted to help me. And, and they did, because you can't make it in this business, especially back then, without a lot of help. And like I say, I wasn't a kid, and I, I and I, I wrestled in college, and so I had some amateur experience. But I was not, I was certainly not a tough guy. Uh, I was, I wouldn't consider myself an outstanding amateur, but I understood the fundamentals. And going back to when I first was hanging around wrestling and an old-timer, the original Zebra Kid, George Bullis, you know, every, everybody asked the wrestler, you know, I, I'm a, I want to be a wrestler. Can you give me any advice? <laughs> That's the age-old question. And George Bullis was one guy who said, well, um, he told me, he said, you, you need to do two things. He said, first of all, the wrestling business has been here forever and it'll be here forever. And so there's not an urgency for you to, like, kick the door in that my suggestion to you would be first and foremost is to get your education because it is a physical endeavor. Um, 
things happen. Uh, it's possible, not because of neglect or carelessness, that uh, the potential is there any, any given day that you could have suffer a, a broken neck or something and a career-ending injury. So learn the fundamentals, first of all. Learn how to uh, you know protect yourself. And it was great advice because even though it's uh, it's not the same as an amateur contest, you, you still apply the same thing. In other words, in an amateur sitting there in the front row or ringside can tell it by how you position yourself whether you have an awareness of, of balance and leverage that you, you, you just you wouldn't posit, put, put yourself in a position where somebody who understands that, those things would say, oh, you know, this guy doesn't know what he's doing because if he was in a street fight, he, he would never act in that manner. And, and that's something that was always in the back of your mind, that you, you treat the business with respect almost like it was uh, uh, an athletic comp contest and, and, and almost the street fight mentality. And if, and if you adhere those principles uh, and, you know, bring that into whatever your, whatever your persona is or whatever your style is, that you're, you're going to be a better performer because you, you do your matches. You know, somebody that's an amateur can watch and, and immediately have more respect for you because it's obvious that you understand the fundamentals of amateur wrestling and incorporate that into, in, into your professional style. Now, kind of getting back to just the Hall of Fame class in general of 2012, we mentioned, obviously, the Four Horsemen, you, Rick, Barry, Arn, Tully. That's you know, the best group, I think, um, a lot of people would say with the Horsemen. We talked about Ole not being important. Yeah, and I don't know that I mentioned, you know, or, 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 and I'm not – I. I'm not trying to uh, dance around giving you an answer with regard to Ole because Ole was somebody who um, I made a lot of trips with Ole, and he he looked he studied the stock market and he he respected people who respected the business and didn't waste their money on fancy cars or going into the bars and trying to impress the, the ladies and, and spending money. And, uh, you know, he, he valued the, the amount of the, of the dollar, saved his money, and uh, was very well, very well respected. And, and he, uh, he was legitimately a tough guy, and he could handle himself. And he just was somebody who I respected, became a friend of, and I consider him a friend to this day. Made a lot of trips with him, and you know it, it's you know it's like you'd make a ride with with Oli, just the two of you in the car, and you might make a 200 mile trip, and basically not say 10 words to each other on that whole trip, because that's how he was. He was like very, I don't know how to describe it. I it, it just he was. He was he was very very unique, introverted, uh, introverted. Yeah, that's there you go. And but he also, you know, would would look at you and see where your head was, what your level of respect was, what your goals were, what you wanted. And if he saw that you had respect for the business, and and 
and he he would open the door for you to get closer to him because he was a wealth of knowledge and somebody who could really uh, help you. And, and like being 27, going on 28 years old, uh, that was a big help to me. To I'm not saying fast track my 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 time in the business, but um, the old timers, uh, you know, if they have a choice of a couple people where there's an opportunity, and they they would they would look at you with a nod because you had shown that you have respect for the business and the and the people in it. So now, to this day, I consider Ole uh, a, a great friend and a real, real credit to our business. And like you say, he's an introvert. He's a guy mm-hmm. that keeps yep. it himself, um, saved his money. And I, I am a very private person for the people that, that know me personally. It's something that um, I do not pick up the phone and have a circle of people that I would call with regularity just for no reason, just to call and and say hello. Um, it's just I'm a very private person, and I don't. And every now and then, and it may be once a year, and it may be once uh, a year and a half, I will just out of the blue call Oli and talk to Marcia, and she usually answers the phone. And and Oli is a uh, um, had slowed down. Uh, I and mean, I'm not talking out of turn. He was. Uh, you know, really worked hard all those years, and and basically I uh, w- was in a wheelchair to get around. And uh, the last time I saw him, I was heading down to Atlanta and stopped by and and had lunch with him and spent a few hours with him and just uh, someone who showed me great kindness and 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 helped guide me early in my career and and something that. Uh, but I never forgot, and I don't think I could ever properly thank him for all he did for me. I love that. Now, the other members of the class of the whole family, I just want to quickly mention them. Mil Mascaris, Ron Simmons, Yoko Zuna, Mike Tyson, which is a great one, and yeah. Edge. Shockingly, yes. Edge, out of all those big, great names, is Edge. You know, not, not to say anything bad about Edge, but, I mean, they, uh, the Horsemen, uh, Ron Simmons, Mike Tyson – uh, Yokozuna hedges the headliner, kind of crazy, but um, nevertheless, I guess he's one of the more um, recent names. But not a bad class at all, huh? He got some pretty no, good yeah, legendary I mean, names look, in that class. Yeah, if you look at it individually, and Mike Tyson, they don't got much tougher than Mike Tyson, and uh, you know Yokozuna, um, you know was it, 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 it would be hard to. Look at the names, and I mean, I have the uh, the program, and the center the center of the program I have mounted on my wall, and it's uh, it, it's all the people that uh, you know that you mentioned that you know you know Ron Simmons who was uh, a, a tremendous amateur as a football player and a wrestler, and of course Edge too, and and Mike Tyson, <laughs> I don't get much tougher than him, and Mil Mascaras is along with El Santo, are the two, I think, greatest uh, mask wrestlers ever in the history of our of our, our business. It's a pretty damn good class just as far as, like, wow, like, name power. Throw Mike Tyson, obviously, more things for boxing, but, I mean, just to throw him in there with the horsemen, that's like, wow, star power. Like, oof, that, that was a loaded one 
that year for sure. And especially you, you just throw in some of the inductors like uh, Dusty and, and oof, I mean, that's just awesome. It's like to kind of have that, um, that happened. I mean, just so cool. Such a class. Do you remember anything specifically from Tyson? Was he, I know supposedly he was a big fan. Was he a big fan of the horseman? Did he say anything to you guys at all? Uh, yeah, in fact, um, at the arena, uh, you know, where we went out, I, you know, we just, they had different, you know, different, they didn't have individual dressing rooms for everybody, but, uh, you know, I walked in the door and looking for a place to put my gear down, and I looked up, and oh, there's Mike Tyson. And it's almost like thinking, oh, this is his private dressing room. I think I might have turned like I was going to leave. And he said, hey, where are you going? Sit down. You know, you know you're welcome to stay here. And so um, that, that, as I look back, was was uh, really special. And, and as the night went on, uh, the parade of people, especially a lot of the baseball players, you know, would come in and they wanted to come in and, 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 and meet Mike Tyson and come in and pay homage to him. Uh, he's a big, big star, big, big star. And yet a very, very down to earth guy. And, uh, and really made the experience for me really, really special to, uh, be in that dressing room, which was, you know, it was a good sized room, but, uh, watching everybody that came down and, they all wanted. They all wanted to meet, you know, Mike Tyson, and came in, and he was gracious with everybody. And it, it's just like you know, talking about well, being be, it great to be a fly on the wall to see that. Well, <laughs> I was in the room, and and uh, you know, and you know, he insisted that I stay there and dress with him. So it was it was really nice. I just love when guys like his stature and being that big and that good of a sports star is a fan of pro wrestling because it gives it credibility like well hey mike tyson one of the greatest athletes of all time one of the greatest professional boxers of all time loves professional wrestling so i wouldn't say anything too bad about wrestling you know because you got some big big time huge fans and not to say anything bad about anybody that maybe doesn't respect the business but guy of that stature is showing respect to the business i think uh, it gives it or lends it a lot of credibility Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I throw in yeah. Ron Simmons, too, a great football player, one of the greatest oh, college absolutely. football players. Super, super guy. And, um, of course, the, you know, I have a ring from the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, and then the, the Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame moved from upstate New York to uh, to uh, just north of, uh, uh, of Dallas in Texas, and it's still there. And I uh, have been there and, and donated gear for display. And then meanwhile, Tony Villano, who um, was initially in the beginning uh, aligned with, with the, uh, the Boxing Hall of Fame in New York and struck up a friendship with, well, he was, he, he was a commissioner. So I think the way it played out, if memory serves me correct, you know, every now and then he would be a, you know, assigned to go to an event because there would be two commission representatives there. So he was assigned to a wrestling event, which was, this was a whole new, new new thing to him. I mean, he was not a wrestling fan as such. And whoever he was sitting with, he he was in what, like a room. There was a hallway, and then there was a, a room on the other side. There were big glass doors, and 
at the back of it was where George Steele was dressing. And whoever was in there with Tony um, strike up a conversation and, and asked Tony, said, do you, you know who that is over there? And he said, no, I don't. He said, you know, that's George the Animal Steele. He's, you know, one of the one of the, uh, the huge stars of our business. Well, it ended up, you know, Tony went, went over and introduced himself, shook hands with him, and they, they, they struck it up right away. And, and I think George said, what are you doing uh what are you doing after? He said, uh, I'd like to buy you a drink. And what do you drink? I drink scotch. Well, I drink scotch. And so the two of them got together after the event that night. And the story is that they, between the two of them, consumed a bottle of scotch. And it was the beginning of uh, a, a really a, a lifelong friendship. And so um, Tony Villano, uh, like I say, had the Hall of Fame up there. And then he, he had other, he was a, He's he's got a big family. They're a very close knit family, and they're big into uh, construction projects in the state of New York. Uh, you know, highway things where they have uh, overpasses with culverts that, that are major projects, and that's the kind of thing that, uh, that his that his company was involved involved in. And uh, of course, the thing eventually moved to Texas, and then I've I've remain friends with Tony and, and, you know, would go up there and, and see him every now and then. And then recently Tony uh, had retired from his construction business. And he's, he's done very well financially. You'll never have to have any uh, benefit, benefit for Tony Villano. He's, uh, he's done well and he's set for life. And he and Holly are, are, are great people. And anyway, he, uh, he now is uh, starting what they're calling the international Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, again, based out of Albany, New York. And he contacted me and and said, you know, because before he didn't have a lot of connections in in the wrestling business, and, and George Steele uh, befriended him, and then he said, well, you know, he, you know they would need help, and, and George uh, recommended me because I, um, I, I just... Had known a lot of people in the business, and he said he's somebody that knows everybody, and in a positive way, and connected with everybody. So that was the beginning of that friendship. And so uh, Tony uh, contacted me that he's uh, he's doing it, and once again, you know, invited uh, me to be on the board of directors, and which I've agreed to. And so we're there's been no formal announcement, so hopefully I haven't. Uh, uh, <laughs> jump the gun with what Tony's doing, but it's going to happen, and it's going to be a, once again in upstate New York, and if Tony's involved, if it's, everything is going to be first class, and, and I'm excited uh, to uh, to once again be in, being involved and, and, and to work with Tony and know that I'm going to you know, see him on an ongoing basis. How you know, are you with like paying attention to current WWE? Do you pay attention to current WWE? Like, have you followed the Hall of Fame as far as this year and who is going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, or you pay no attention to really current uh, WWE? If I see something, uh, you know, like on a, uh, you know, on the internet, you know, about who's going to be, you know, somebody will post something where who's going to be in this year, and uh, you know, I will, but I don't, I don't religiously follow the program. If I go around and I see it, I'll stop and watch. Um, and it's, and I don't want to, 
create the wrong impression that I that I am somehow not a fan of the current product. Uh, that would be nothing could be further from the from the from the uh, uh, from the truth. But it's just uh, you know, as I'm 77 years old and uh, I've I've you know I've got family and a lot of things and I just uh, uh, you know I will I every now and then will. Uh, Get invited to go to a, a independent show to to appear as a guest where they advertise I'm going to be there and be available for a signing and to take pictures and and it's nice uh, to to go back because the fans will come up and seem genuinely happy to uh, to see me and want some uh, memento of the thing be it a picture or what and then it gives me a chance I I mean I sit and I watch all the matches and and I'll get to see what uh, you know what the current product looks like. So this year, going into the Hall of Fame, well, actually technically next year, 2020, but the next Hall of Fame class, Dave Batista, and then also the NWO, who you know very, very well. So it's Hulk Hogan for the second time in the Hall of Fame, Scott Hall, second time Hall of Fame, Kevin Nash, second time Hall of Fame, and Sean Waltman, second time Hall of Fame. But the thing that interested me to ask you to see if you pay attention to it is, no Eric Bischoff, the guy who created the NWO, is not being invited back. And recently he was working for WWE and was recently fired by WWE. And, you know, that's probably a big reason why they're not putting him in or, or whatever. But what do you kind of think? Do you think that oh. Bischoff should have been included in the NWO going to the Hall of Fame? It's kind of weird that the guy that created it isn't going in. That's interesting. I, I'm, I, I may have seen something in, in passing, and I don't know if there's – more to the story that's uh, that's not there, but uh, everybody that's uh, that's in the group is certainly you know worthy with Hall and Nash and uh, Sean Waltman. Uh, you know those those are all those guys, and I guess you could make certainly make the case that uh, Eric, if Eric Bischoff was included, I would certainly have no no issue with it, and 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 would think that. At the same time, if he's not there, it wouldn't in any way, you know, diminish the the honor for for everybody else. Right. I was just curious because it's just so interesting that if a guy can kind of create the group, it kind of almost rolls me back to the old thing. But with Eric, well, the guy creates the group. He's not a part of the NWO. It's just going into the Hall of Fame. That's weird. Do you kind of think that some of this I, stuff I, is, is political? I think that that the grouping was a. It's kind of like the Horseman thing was a was a spontaneous thing that uh, we had guys who uh, with Flair and with Ole and with Arn and Tully and myself, we were guys that all really genuinely enjoyed being around each other. And if you ever watched a group interview, you could sense that there was never any tension or if there was uh, an interview wasn't so lengthy that everybody got a chance to speak that if somebody didn't speak that was there that it was obvious that they, they you know they would have a look on their face something that, that none of that existed it was it was a very very and i think that's part of why it was was so successful and so great is that you had a group of individuals that were all at the top of their game the luger might be the only one that you could say okay you know luger came out of florida and he got the rub that kind of elevated him, but everybody else was already there and at the top of their game. 
and it, so that doesn't you know it doesn't surprise me uh, and it wasn't like um I, you know and I, I i never think of it of eric bischoff being the creator of putting it together eric i mean eric bischoff did a lot of positive things for the for the for the business uh, but i i think the the horseman thing was something that was a spontaneous thing that was already there and really it was Arn that uh, that, that coined the name when people say greatest stable greatest faction those two always come up it's nwo four horsemen i i pretty much hear that religiously from all the fans they either, you know maybe some of the old school fans say four horsemen or some of the true blue wrestling fans just say the horsemen but a lot of fans say the nwo what is the best faction i think i kind of know the answer but what do you think is the greatest faction is it the nwo or the four horsemen well i'm a little bit prejudiced but i would definitely <laughs> say you know definitely say the horsemen and and it's reinforced any time that I, you know, am asked to to appear at an independent show or or uh, a fan fest somewhere. Uh, the fans come up and um, the, the the association with the Four Horsemen it's just synonymous synonymous with all of us. And it was just something that happened. Uh, it was something that really the fans created and ran with, and we were all comfortable, you know. It wasn't important. Even like you would say, okay, well, Ric Flair was the was the world champion, and he was kind of the standard bearer. But Rick never um, never positioned himself to be out front and the and in the spotlight. That he was he was comfortable with uh, you know with being uh, part of the part of the group, and the fact that he was the world champion and you know spoke for itself. But it didn't. It didn't define what the four horsemen were. If you were a booker and you were booking, let's say, Hogan, Hall, Nash, Waltman versus Flair, Arn, Tully, Barry, who like, who would you think? Who's the face? Who's the heel? Like, how would you book that? Because that's a fantasy match in anybody's book that would be one of the greatest. Yeah. I, I, I'm always one who thinks, okay, um, if you if you if you're able to get those people in the same building at the same time for the for the one event, um, I think it's a mistake to try and position one group or the other as somebody that's the fan favorite and the other guys are the villains. I think the 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 you know the personas and and and. Everything it speaks for themselves, and it's like just let the match happen. And the fans, in whatever, the, and it's funny, it, you might take that match to to four or five different arenas, you know, all you know, 100, 200 miles apart, and get different reactions at different nights from different audiences. True. Like yep. at one point, and the, and. I think you can understand what I'm trying to say. That you go and and you go to one town and and the fans are cheering us and and kind of half booing them, and then you go to another town and you're cheering Hulk and and kind of booing us. But it's like, and I always said that that, that they love to uh, to hate the Horsemen. They really did. They, that yes, we 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 would go out with a rock and roll express and we would do terrible things, but. They knew it was going to be an entertaining match, 
And if I, the best way I can describe it is to say, well, they, they love to hate us. And, you know, they might boo, but at the same time, they were cheering. I don't know how else to... Uh, I don't know how else to, 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 to describe it. It's just that's how it was. That uh, you know, I guess it's like the Yankees and Red Sox. If you go to Boston, they're cheering the Red Sox and booing the Yankees. You go to Yankee Stadium, they're cheering the Yankees and booing the Red Sox. And then if you go to somewhere in between, you know, you don't know who who that particular audience that night uh, is more fond of. That is so true. That's kind of an excellent comparison is, too. Yeah. The bottom line is that no matter where we went, there was a demand for people to buy tickets to want to see us. And that's really the bottom line. And, and I'm just thankful that uh, that I was there during that era and, and a part of it. Love it. And thinking about this time, and obviously we're talking about really the horsemen getting into the Hall of Fame obviously tied in with the NWO getting this year, but really the Horsemen getting into the Hall of Fame back in 2012 kind of uh, is a big honor. Do you think that to some people that honor doesn't mean as much? Like, you know what I mean? Like with the WWE Hall of Fame, some people say it's a big deal. Some people say it's not a big deal. Like, what do you think? It, that's got to be somewhat of a pretty big honor if you're being recognized by the biggest company. Oh, I definitely say so. I definitely think so. And, and it's like uh, Vince McMahon – created a brand with the WWE and it's really the, the one the, the one and only brand that is truly global in scope. Um, you know, they go all over the world. And this is back before you know, before uh, cable television and whatever that that now it's made the world a lot s- smaller, but back in the day, um, you know, we we just we had recognition globally everywhere. And that's pretty nice because that really when you, if you ever sit and look back and, and, and try to get a sense of, uh, uh, of the impact of your career, it validates for me um, what a big deal we were. And, and it, was, it wasn't, it was because it's something that you, that, that it, the fans either see it recognize it and embrace it or they don't and you can't you can't have like a marketing campaign well i'm going to take these guys and i'm going to put them out front and i'm going to really make them fan favorites and the wrestling business is is the one one industry where the fans really dictate and you can't you can't you 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 can't try and position things in such a way that that you're uh, trying to achieve an end result that you want if it's not what the fans want. Absolutely. Love it. And I think that's a kind of a perfect stopping point and kind of end the conversation about the 2012 Hall of Fame, which the Horsemen were obviously a huge part of. And, and Mike Tyson and Edge, Mel Masker, Shokozuna, Ron Simmons, but I think the Horsemen, to me, really headlined that event uh, for sure. And, and what was special, too, was uh, that they, you know, Pat and, and came around, and we all had rings, and they they came to us first and said, "Well, here's your, you know, we want you to try your ring on ahead of time, and um, if it doesn't fit right, you know, we'll, you know, we're going to 
If it fits perfect and you want to just take it with you, fine. And if it needs to be adjusted, we want to do that so that you can, you know, legitimately keep it and be proud of it and wear it with pride. And Vince uh, wanted to personally present the rings to each of us individually. And I remember he had a setup with a backdrop and a, and a camera and uh, a video camera, and we were all lined up out in the hallway, and I think Rick went first and uh, and went in, and Vince um, you know, made the presentation of, of here's your ring and try it on and, and videotaped it, and then whoever it was went over, and the next guy came in until we were all in there, and then we did a, uh, uh, a, a, a group picture, and I have on my wall that I, 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 I probably look at it a, a thousand times. There was a, a group photo that day up on the stage because it had like a red carpet, and Dusty is in it, Mike Tyson is in it, uh, um, Shawn Michaels is in it, Triple H is in it, and then there is a, another picture with, with the horseman, uh, with, the, with the WWE wallpaper behind. And as I look at the picture, uh, Rick is on the far right, Barry is next, then Vince, then myself, then Tully, and then Arn. And we're all holding up <laughs> the, uh, the, the symbol of excellence, and Vince is as well. And I, wow. I, nice. I, that, that, <laughs> uh, I get goosebumps just looking at that picture, and then there's a picture on, you know, when we were actually all out on the stage with uh, uh, with Shawn Michaels and, and Triple H, and uh, it it just was uh, it it was an incredible incredible night and an incredible honor, and then to go out uh, in front of uh, the the arena the next day the football stadium with sixty five thousand people there, and then they brought us all out uh, at one point and introduced all of us, and uh, Howard Finkel was down in the middle of the of the stadium and we were up at one end and they had this big red carpet with with stars and, and one by one they brought us all out and uh just the the response of those people was uh it it just it validates everything i, I can't think of it was a very emotional moment and it, you, you look at our business and you think well you know it's but the fans are the ultimate judge and jury. They are the ones that that that, that put you in a position where you're looked upon uh, as someone special in the whole history of our business. And so you're you're talking about uh, you're talking about eight, this is eighty eight, ninety eight, oh eight, eighteen. You're talking about thirty over thirty years, and they're still they're still talking about us. If we go somewhere. 30 years later, and people remember those moments and, and remember us, you know, and I'll have, mm-hmm. uh, yep. you know, I'll have people come up and uh, there's, there's, you know, maybe a, a kid that's eight, 10 years old and his father is with him and, you know, he, he wants his son to uh, be able to shake my hand and look at the rings and being able to introduce him, maybe take a picture and, I I can't count the number of times that the father will say to his to his son, you know, bec- you know, because they're not on TV every week, you know, you you don't maybe understand today 
what the significance of this is, but uh, when I was your age, these guys were it. They were the big deal. And I, I just, um, you know, a father wants his son to have had that, that same moment. Uh, it, it means as much for the father as anything because, uh, you know, the son will look up and see that, that smile on the father's face and, and know that it's a special moment for him. And I think that is just absolutely perfect and well said and love it. So as we start to uh, hit the uh, the plugs here, just want to let everyone know a new Pro Wrestling Tee store has been opened where you can pick up a, a J.J. Dillon t-shirt. That, of course, ProWrestlingTees.com slash J.J. Dillon. Please also check out J.J.'s website, JJDillon.com. I implore you to buy a book. Wrestlers are like seagulls from McMahon to McMahon. J.J.'s highly um, sought after book there. Also, you can email the show at jjdillonpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip. Our website is tmptempire.com. And you could stay here for the latest and the greatest as far as coming up with some maybe uh, lasting appearances from JJ as he's uh, taking a little bit of a brief hiatus and kind of winding down a bit of it. Next week will be the last show of the calendar year, yep. and I'm going to take a hiatus uh, after that. Um, I'm still very much involved. Uh, I, I just confirmed a, uh, a two-day date in Halifax, Canada, on a Friday and Saturday, and we're looking ahead in May. It's a little bit out there, but a few people in, in the Maritimes uh, have your calendar. Circle uh Friday, May 8th, and Saturday, May 9th, that I will be up in Halifax for the two days. And always love getting up there. And and, uh, fans in Canada are just, they're fabulous. And always enjoy being up there. And and I've I've made a lot of friends over the year and look forward to that. And, of course, Tony Rolano is is starting up what he's calling the International Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame, which will, again, be based out of Albany, New York, He's reached out to me, and I've agreed to be on the board. And, and uh, we'll, we'll, whenever he's uh, going to actually make the formal announcement, you know, I'm going to go up there and, and be there to, uh, you know, to, to welcome everybody that's, that's there and a part of it. And if Tony's going to do it, it's, it's going to be done right, and it's going to be successful, and it's, uh, uh, it's, it's great for great for wrestling. But I, I, as I, I tell you every week time that I really enjoy. And have enjoyed doing the show, and I—that's I, why I wanted to say in advance that uh, I'm taking a little hiatus. That next week will be the the last show of this year, and and it'll be a little hiatus for a while. And I just wanted them to hear it from me, the fans, so that the you know the the rumor mill doesn't go crazy. And when I say hiatus, it, you know it may be a matter of months or what. Um, just to doing some other things and dispel rumors that, oh, he must be sick or he must be uh, upset at somebody. Or, and it's none of the above. It's just uh, sometimes, uh, um, you know, it's like the, I love baseball. And the baseball season ends, and it doesn't mean that you that you don't love baseball as much anymore. You just look together for that break until, uh, until spring training again. And that's kind of how I'm looking at it. And I don't have any timetable. But I didn't want to all of a sudden next week say you know I, I won't you know I won't be here on this time slot for a while. I'm trying to say it out front so that if anybody has any comments or questions, 
but just to dispel any rumors that uh, there's any more to the story other than uh, just that I'm taking a hiatus. Yes, and then next week uh, will be the last show of the year. And, of course, 6.05 Saturdays is where you can hear J.J. And stay tuned to the show for some announcements next week as well. And, of course, 6.05 is the time for J.J., the J.J. Dillon Podcast. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling, What the World is Downloading.